Hi everybody, uh, I'm from Alessandro Lonero and we are at the new episode of Performance Quest with uh, my co-host Francesco Cuzzolin and my guest of today, our guest of today, Kid D'Amelio. Uh, well, he don't need presentation, but I will try to introduce itself uh, the same. He's performance specialist at Nike. Uh, he has worked uh, in many facilities. He has worked in Boston Celtics, Toronto Raptors. He has been strength conditioning coach at Stanford University. Woke it. If you want to add something uh, at your description, uh, we are happy to to be with you today. Yeah. No. Again, I, I can't thank you guys enough for for having me. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Um, yeah, as you said, there the background's a little um, kind of. Crosses crosses some bridges and, and, and spans a, a good deal of time. Although, as Kuto was saying, I still look young, but uh, but but some years under my belt. Um, and and you know what it has is exposed me to a lot of different things and ideas. A lot a lot that I think we'll talk about here today. But uh, you know, from from both the collegiate reigns at Stanford to professional to now a corporate kind of setting. Even though I still sort of work a little bit like I did in, in professional sports, but kind of covers the gamut. In the same as my background, right? With the Celtics, I was more on the medical side, realized that's not what I wanted to do. So so transitioned more into the performance realm. And that's where I was with the with the Raptors and, and kind of since then, and then recently added my PhD in applied sports science. So kind of combining all three areas that I that I think are key to an athlete's, you know, optimized performance. Oh, great. I'm really happy and excited to have a key today. And uh, like, like you say, you got a professional age that is around uh, 110 years, but is <laughs> the age is still, still growing like, a, like a, all the best professional in the world. So it doesn't matter what we have done. It's very important what you're supposed to do and uh, which is the process that you are thinking to follow, you know, to increase the quality of your, of your job. When you are so passionate, about what you're doing, you, you never stop learning. So this is why I'm really happy to have a kid. Once again, uh, he has across experiences, you know, uh, in, in uh, like you say, professional teams, corporate. So um, this experience is very challenging. And this is why the topic for today that uh, I'm really happy to, to share with Kit is technology and sport performance, if they are friends or fouls, you know. So this is the, the, the topic that we are facing today. So I'm going to start with the first uh, question, Keith. Uh, like you say, you have worked in many top level uh, sport professional organizations, uh, which were the basic, uh, in, in, in your opinion, you know, I'm always uh, trying to, to get from our guests their uh, personal experience. So sure. which were the basic principles that you did apply to consider or not technology in your daily job from your former experiences? Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, really always trying to take it back to first principles, right? Like, what am I trying to solve, right? Like, what questions am I trying to answer? Uh, and, and I know people, especially in 2021, right, want to jump right to a shiny toy or, or jump to the, to, the, to the latest technology without really having a clear structure uh, in place to see if, if that is that technology actually going to help them answer the question that they have, right? That, that's assuming that they do even have a question. They're not just using it for the sake of using it. But but then it even goes a step further in terms of, okay, let's say the technology is going to help you. Does it actually work in your setting? Which which is, I think, a step a lot of people miss. And, and for me, you know, throughout my my stops uh, along along my professional journey, 
I've always sort of taken it back to that of, of, of hey, what am I trying to understand? And, and, if, and if it has to go beyond what either I can do with a piece of pen and paper or, or something, you know, more, more rudimentary, if you will, then I look to what technologies can help me. And, and, you know, there's probably no better example than at Toronto, right? And, and we're going back to, you know, 2005, 2006. Um, this is far before technology was just used, you know, ad hoc with, with teams. And I really wanted to understand what my athletes were going through from, from a uh, physiological perspective and, and, and you know, uh, in a workload perspective, and this, and this is before catapult and any of the the these sort of wearable sensors from that perspective. So I had a, I had our team where you know real time heart rates. We used you know first beat in in Sunto, uh, at the time, in in pretty much every practice. And and then I and then I really wanted to understand in, in you know in part I, I step back for a second because I also wanted to have a better conversation with our coaching staff about planning practices and mm-hmm. understanding what that um, what that process looks like. And then I went a step further to, okay, I understand what a practice looks like, but is that what a game looks like? And, and, and so I took it a next step and I had our athletes illegally, I am fully admitting now, where, where the heart rate monitors in game, right? I, I had our starting five where um, heart rate monitors in game, um, you know, I, I did maybe every other week just to kind of get a snapshot to, to see like, okay, how do they look in a game? And is that representative of what we're doing in practice? And then what I'm doing from a training perspective as well, because, you know, um, I think one thing that, that certainly young professionals maybe have a, um, overly optimistic view of is that they will influence practice a great deal. It's not always the case. And it's certainly not the case in, in a lot of us professional sports. So what can I control? And what can I influence? And that and that that was sort of my impression or or uh, you know impetus to use technology. And you know and then and then from there it just sort of led me down a little bit longer path of okay I now start to understand that. But how are my athletes adapting? How are they looking? And and that's when we started to do you know sleep monitoring. And again we're talking 2005 2006. Now it's it's really like really popular the last five years to do sleep monitoring. And and we were doing it back then because I just wanted to understand like what does it look like and and for nothing else in, in all honesty, it allowed me to have a better conversation with the athletes, right? It just allowed because then you had athletes I could actually show something tangible, and and have a deeper conversation about their recovery, about sleep, why is this important? And then if we made some changes, they could actually see it change, not only feel it change, you know, hopefully, but but then see some of the the information change that we were collecting. Uh, and it really, you know, led me to 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 kind of think about things a little bit differently from the standpoint of educating my athletes, right? And and that's really what I would say. You know, yes, I want to use technology to help understand things and and get better and help my athletes, you know, perform uh, at their best. But then also sometimes just use it to to really engage with my athletes and and help drive conversations uh, that I want to have with them. I cannot be more more agree with you. You know, um, I, I I like. Can I consider technology just when technology is solving some problems? You know, sometimes technology uh, can give you problems. You know, so I was going to say with with that, like, and, and I only I only stop you there for a second because you you almost finished the statement. But but one of my best friends, uh, Patrick Ward, who's who's with the the Seattle Seahawks, oh. one of the smartest guys I know, uh, he he said a number of years back to me, we were having a conversation very much like this, and he said, look, technology doesn't solve problems. 
people solve problems, right? Exactly. And, and, and like there couldn't be, you know, I try and, you know, reiterate that whenever I can, especially if I'm talking to young, young professionals, but, but even old ones too. Oh, absolutely. So this is one of my, let's say, principles. And the second one is uh, I'm taking under consideration just technology that I can use uh, consistently. You know, mm -hmm. Not just uh, once in a while. I, I don't like to give a, a sign to my players that I, I'm doing some, uh, let's say, trials with them and I'm trying to clear my mind. It's, this is not my approach. This is, in my opinion, cannot be an approach mainly in the, in the, in the sport professional field, you know. So I like to, once again, uh, give importance to the system, So which is the method that I'm trying to apply. So sleeping quality it's a, um, a data that I want to monitor consistently. So it's something very important for me. And uh, information that I'm getting can make uh, can help me to make some changes or just to get this conversation with my athletes. So um, when I'm using technology, I'm really using. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get uh, all the best from the technology that I'm putting on the field. But I'm not the kind of guy that uh, can be easily convinced that the new, the new, the new shiny tool uh, is the best way, you know, to, to to increase the quality of your job. I think our quality is from the system, from the method, from a, it's a, an holistic approach yep. to uh, training methodology. I don't know if you are, agree with this. Uh, oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, you know, that's exactly the way I look at it, right? Like, do, does it fit into the ecosystem in the structure that you have in place? If it does, great. If it doesn't, that's fine, and that, and that's fine if every other you know, team is using it, but it doesn't fit into to the way I want to approach and, and think about performance. I also, you said there, um, you know, kind of bouncing around between technologies and, oh, let's try this this week and let's try this this week. You know, that tells me you really don't have a plan. When, when I see professionals do that, like they're just throwing stuff at the wall and, and seeing what sticks. I also think um, that really damages, you know, even if they don't say it, but it, but it, but it subtly damages the confidence athletes have, right? And if, and if they, because athletes are smart, right? They, they see, and if they see you constantly bouncing around, you know, I inherently think like, okay, what are we actually trying to accomplish here? Athletes inevitably think that as well. Um, because the other thing I see with, with technologies in, in a lot of pitfalls that people who implement them use, and usually it's the people who are bouncing around from technologies, mm -hmm. um, is okay, you've collected this information, right? And, and, and to me, if I'm an athlete, right, if I just put that hat on for a second, that tells me that you believe there's something valuable in this. But if there is no change in what we do based on that information, how am I, you know, then, then why are we collecting it? Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of times uh, technology can actually like deteriorate the, the confidence athletes have in, in what you're trying to do unless it's used appropriately. And once again, I'm really believer, like you say, you know, uh, people solve problems, not technology. Uh, for me, tracking, um, I don't know, any kind of metric, it's a, um, a way to reduce the amount of mistakes because I'm, I'm taking under consideration some numbers, you know, in, in, in an objective way. But the last word, the last choice is mine. Okay, is coach's choice. You know, it's never okay. I saw that your recovery from uh, any kind of device is not perfect, so I'm deciding from the device that you can save some practice time. No way. You know, uh, I, I like to take this uh, uh, metric, this data under consideration. But let's talk about uh, how important it is, how the data is, uh, let me uh, objective, 
And the word, the last word is, is always from coaches. If you show that technology is driving your choices, you show weakness, okay? Uh, I want to have a, you know, a lot of uh, um, information to take the best decision possible. But once again, is the coach's decision. It's not uh, the technology decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's jump inside a little bit more uh, nowadays, you know, and, and, and like we know, uh, like you mentioned before, also some, uh, some companies, technology is used mainly to quantify training process, um, gathering information about the internal load, external load, the lifestyle, uh, well-being, and, and etc. So, in, uh, from your experience, in which field we have had the biggest evolution, let's say in the last five years, more or less? I think really it, it's it's being able to quantify what they're doing in sport, right? Like whether like regardless of the sport, right? I think some of the advances, whether it be with you know accelerometers and and in in the accuracy of some of the local positioning systems, right? Like I think they've just lend itself to really understand the game demands a little bit better, right? Um, like what is actually and that was actually you know. Uh, let me let me make one one question. You know, because sure. I, I can I can present you also the situation. Uh, like you say, knowing exactly uh, the, let's say the performance model, uh, it's important for all of us. You know, and just uh, seeing that just few federation uh, federation did decide to share the technology. Okay, let's make an example. We decide that time is important for us. And we decided that the watch is a perfect technology for us. So if we decide the performance uh, um, model is important for all the teams, why we don't share one technology? Okay. I mean, no, it would be easier. You, you, in Europe now, you got teams that are taking their own uh, ways, you know, using one uh, technology, another one, metrics a little bit different. Um, algorithms that are taking information are different. So if we don't, we don't decide that the, the metrics are this one, are objectives, you know, we cannot talk the same language, you know. I, I don't know if it's the same in, in the USA pro sports. No, it, it, it's moving that direction, right? Like, so, so I am, um, you know, the NFL uses a, a standard uh, local positioning system for in-game. Right. And, 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 but then you have practices and teams, you know, some teams use a different one, which I don't understand. Like, why would you want a different uh, technology for practices than games? But, but they do. Um, the NBA is, yeah, a little bit all over the place. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I sit on the NBA's wearable technology committee. So that is one of the things that, that we're actually looking at, not only validating and examining the technologies that teams implement with their athletes, but also looking at, um, you know, are we going to have a uniform system, right? Where, where every team uses it in game and, and then in practice as well. So you would have a uniform data set of, of the entire league. Uh, and in part, I, I think that serves, you know, the field very well, because like you said, now you're all talking, you're all looking at the same thing. Mm -hmm. How that's interpreted could be very different, right? Depending on the situation. And that's fine. But, but I think, yeah, the, the closer we get to a uniform measurement tool, Again, assuming it's the best, um, and you know, the better the field is, but also the better the athlete is, because you know, as we move into the age where where all of this information is collected on athletes, like it's their data, you know, and and as they move team to team, 
if it's a uniform system, they're now consistently looking in at the same data, not, you know, in Boston, they're collecting catapult and then they get traded and they go to Charlotte and now they're collecting, you know, Connexon and then they get traded in Cleveland and now they're collecting something else, right? There, there's a uniform um, data set that, that follows them throughout their career, which I think has, has, has a, a, you know, a level of importance that that's a little bit underestimated right now. Uh, do, do you think, you know, because this is a topic we are talking also in Europe, and uh, do you think that uh, this kind of request should be done from uh, teams, should be done from, uh, I don't know, players association, should be done from, I don't know, coaches association? Because, I mean, someone got to make the first step, you know, asking to, I don't know, the, the federation, uh, example, the league, you know, to share this information, you know, because it would be easy also to make an investment, you know, because we're going to buy like a 20, 30 systems or 18, depending from the teams. And it's a different approach, you know. So it's yeah. a wild, wild west right now in Europe. I'm a little bit worried because you are still discussing if it's important or not. So if you are talking with coaches, say, absolutely, you know, it's absolutely 100% important. But no man, nobody is making the first step. So uh, no, I, I think I think it needs to be players association driven. Maybe I'm also biased because I'm I'm helping the players association drive there. Right in Europe, so we are on the same. This is why I was ask you, you know, because I know that you are more or less in my same situation, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to 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 ask, the, uh, you know, to to um, let's say endorse this uh, request because it's, it's I, I very think, important. You know, I, I think. The, the the federations, and I know, you know, it might be a little bit different structure overseas than it is in, in you know, the U.S. Like, in it, because if we say federation, like, at uh, least, you know, NBA, we're talking the league owner, the league. And the league is nothing more than, you know, owned by the owners of the individual team, right? Like, they're, they're, they're you know, overseeing them. So it's 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 not really the same as saying the the league driven because then that's just a collection of teams and I think the problem you have it being team driven, which is which is a problem in sport is right, everyone thinks they're doing something special, mm -hmm. right? So a team isn't gonna say like oh no 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 yeah we should all have the same because they think what they're doing is way better than the other team yeah which, they, you know they want to which, be the smartest in the room you know exactly. they want to Exactly. They they have like the the worst comment I hear is like this my, our secret sauce, bullshit. Like there's you know like you might be looking at something a little bit differently and that's fine. But but I don't care if they're doing the best thing in the world. It wouldn't work in any other situation than the situation they have, right? Because of the because of the management, coaches, athletes. The 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 that organization is unique to all of the other organizations. So. So when, you know, I, and that's the problem, I think, with it being team driven is because every team wants to be an individual. They don't want to be a collective because they think what they're doing is so unique and so different. So I think it has to be driven by the players. Uh, and fortunately, if I'm, you know, that's who I'm trying to help uh, drive that because I do think it is important. No, let's try. Let's try if, if we can, you know, to to put together our strength, because uh, absolutely. I'm absolutely on your same page. And um, I really believe that monitoring the external load. It's very important, you know, to manage players in the best way. So they should be involved in this kind of decision, like asking, I don't know, to the league, for example, to share a kind of technology during games and after teams can make their own decisions in their own facilities, because in any case, they are their yep. own houses, so they can do in their house what, whatever they want. So, and, and, and that was, you know, that, that was, in all honesty, my, my PhD, right? Like I looked at multiple seasons worth of game data 
um, in which really no one had looked at before from a from a physical activity standpoint, right? And, and started to then quantify what is an NBA game week season season upon season look like um, with, with some of these physical activity measures. What is a you know the, the forward position, the center of the guards, and and start to get a little bit granular about you know these activity profiles it found in the NBA, and then how do they actually um, how do they how do they vary? from game to game, but then also what factors influence them, right? Does, you know, does it, we've talked about it for a year. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you heard it in, in the years you were in Toronto, it was like, oh, when you play in Denver and Utah, like the altitude, that really affects it. Yeah, it's true. Well, <laughs> has anyone ever looked at it? So that was one, of, you know, that was one of the factors I looked at to actually see, does it actually uh -huh. affect uh, physical activity uh, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And then the interesting one is, um, well, I, I, I did one really interesting study, at least it, interesting to me. Um, we'll see once I publish it, if it's interesting to everyone else, uh, is, is actually, can you, can you project and forecast physical activity based on some of these factors, right? Everyone wants to get into like, oh, predictive analytics and things like that. But, but I sort of took it from the standpoint of, if I know this about my players and the factors that they'll, you know, they're playing home, they're, you know, they're going to win or lose, you know, they're, 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 um, you know, they're playing in Denver, let's say, uh, can I can I forecast what their physical activity load profile will look like based on that information, and and actually with with pretty good accuracy you can right and and does that lead like you said they're monitoring workload like does that lead to a better way to actually know when you should rest a player or when you should you know scale back and maybe it's not in a game right I'm always very very cautious about talking about um, like giving a player a game off or, or like doing something in game time management, because that's what they're played. That's what they're paid to do. Right. And, and, and look for some of the athletes, especially in the NBA, but, but you could say this across any sport is I'll take LeBron James at 60% than some players at a hundred percent. Right. So, so it, it's, it's less about what can I do in game to, to, to affect and reduce LeBron's workload. But what can I do outside of those games? Right. And that's where I think as professionals, we need to maybe think about a little bit more because, you know, the last thing a coach wants to hear is like, hey, uh, yeah, give LeBron a night off tonight. Right. Like they don't they want LeBron to be there to help them win. Mm -hmm. So so what can we do about things? But but I think back to what I was saying with my study is I think it might actually give us a better way to look at, you know, how we're approaching workload management, because right now it's like, oh, we played a back to back. We'll just give him the second night off. Mm -hmm. Well, why? What if that third game? That's actually on the fourth night. Mm -hmm. He's actually forecasted to do his heaviest load. Maybe that's the game you should give him off. Um, so things like that is what I was examining in my PhD. Yeah, it's inter very interesting. And uh, please keep me in the loop because uh, we can share a bunch of information. And in, in Europe, it's a little bit different because game density is different. So we are practicing a lot more than an NBA. And uh, this is why we have a kind of time to manage a player in the better way, you know. So monitoring uh, what's happening during the game and during the week, you can decide, you know, when is a heavy, uh, heavy practice, when it should be a kind of tapering inside the microcycle. So uh, I'm doing, you know, that I'm working like performance manager. And this is what we are doing. We try to monitor any, any effort, any session and, and uh, like team session, like individual session. And deciding from how many minutes the players usually uh, play the game, we can decide, you know, which is the individual microcycle inside the team microcycle. So this is 
step. And, you know, if you are playing once a week, it's very simple. So, like, uh, just the Italian league. If you're playing twice, like, uh, also a Euro Cup or, in any case, a European Cup, you play twice. So, uh, you have a kind of uh, room to manage the situation. And, uh, you know, which is the problem now? That now many games are postponed. So the density of games are increasing and we are really close to the NBA uh, density in some in some weeks, not for the whole season. And uh, sometimes we are in trouble because we don't have a, like, a, you know, uh, business traveling. Uh, we don't have uh, all these uh, advantages that uh, are um, planned in NBA to save the huge amount of games that they are putting on the, on the floor, you know. So this is the main difference. But, uh, it's, I mean, if, 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 you, if we can, like, uh, join our uh, experiences, you know, because many NBA players are coming to play in Europe and the opposite. Many European players are coming to play in NBA. We could create, uh, you know, both scenarios, you know, um, considering what, what we can do and what we cannot do. So, uh, please, uh, congr you know, once again, uh, congratulations for your PhD. It's very interesting and, and uh, an important topic for the future. And uh, keep us in the loop because we can share very important information about, uh, about you know, deciding what to do uh, for yeah. the future. So yeah, let's I, think make, uh, I think it's a problem in a lot of sports, right? So not, uh, not yeah, just basketball, yeah, although basketball is obviously, yeah. you know, you're, you're in my wheelhouse, but, but even, even in, you know, with some of the athletes I work with in other sports, NFL yeah. and, and different things, like it, it's, it's really interesting how they approach workload management. Uh, Soccer in oh. Europe is a huge, you mean, yeah. it's a huge professional level, you know, they are playing so many games, they have national teams. So yeah. all the top players are playing also national teams during the season. So they stop the leagues to play national teams games that are very, very important to qualify for the World Championship, for the European Championship, or so on. So very, very uh, not easy, you know, to decide turnovers, to decide sure. uh, load management is very uh, important topic. So about the future. So same question yeah. or less. Just to, just, to, just to say that we have seven games in three weeks. We are playing tonight. We have seven games in three weeks. Okay. It's, Interesting. it's, Interesting. it's, it's like NBA, right? <laughs> you, got, you, you have always the same players on 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 the pitch on the floor. You know, you know, you don't. You, it's not like basketball. You can decide how many minutes yeah. they're playing more or less. You know, to yeah. win the game, it's but true, you have like true. starters and and uh, you know backups. And more or less, yeah. you know that they're supposed to play from 20 to 35. They're supposed to play from 10 to 15, 20. You got the same amount of time for all of them. So right. not, not easy to decide to nervous also. You know, because you cannot play. Chess with uh, with uh, game minutes. Right, so, right, right. Interesting. Yeah. So about the future. So if you have a, like a, let's say crystal ball, you're looking for a technology evolution that can solve few of your problems. What you are expecting? You know, which is your in your wishing list? Uh, I, I don't. No, I, I, in 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 part, it, you know, the area I think I'm most interested right now, and and I've I've really sort of um, investigated in 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 you know sort of really researching and leaning on right now is is more like from a cognitive standpoint, right? Oh. I, I want to understand, uh, and and I say cognitive, I mean a lot of things that go into that bucket from from actually decision making processes. And like, actually, how do you, how do not only athletes but coaches, management, how do they actually structure their decision making process? Because I think that also, as professionals, if I understand that better, I can now help with some of their choices, and I can help, you know, maybe influence, maybe you know, like, and just just really sort of uh, allows me 
to provide them with the best information. So, so cognitive, but then if we even go outside of decision-making, you know, then there's decision-making from, from a true cognitive performance. Like how can I enhance an athlete's decision-making capabilities like in situation, right? Like, is that visual? Is it, is it pattern recognition? Is it, you know, things like that? How are athletes learning and how can I optimize that learning? Cause everyone learns a little bit differently. Um, also different level of stress, for example, you know, absolutely. How, how can I, how can you deal with that? Right. So I put that in, in, in cognition, like their mindset, how can you actually deal with, you know, whether it's fear and anxiety of just the situation in general, how can you help an athlete deal with that? Because, you know, again, I'm fortunate enough, um, as, as, as I guess we all are right to work with some pretty high level athletes, right. And, and usually it's not a physical limitation. There's certainly physical limitations, right? Like there's a difference between LeBron and, and like, you know, the, the low man on the totem pole. No question about it. But when you look at the consistency of the elite performers, like it is not a physical limitation, right? Helping them reach that. And, and, and that's what I'm really kind of looking at is how can, how can you help athletes be more consistent and perform at a higher level? Because it's not like making them stronger, faster, like, that's not what is keeping, you know, holding them back a little bit. I, I think it's, it's more sort of above the neck, um, and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then, then, and then again, if we talk about the decision-making, like I mentioned there with management and coaches, we've all seen coaches like we, it's no question. Some of the teams that are historically like underperforming in like just poor organizations, like why they are like we, the three of us, we know why. Right. And, and it's, and it's really trying to, to help um, understand why decisions are made in the first place. And then how can we, um, help with that process? You know, as I, I was thinking, you know, listening to you, I was thinking that uh, we did start our professional career being a strength conditioning coaches. We are not anymore strength conditioning coaches. I, I don't know what we are. I mean, we are something different. I, I don't know what I agree. What, I agree. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's a, the, the experience, like you say, because you say something, very important, you know, the physical aspect of performance probably sometimes is the less important. And, and we have believed for many, many years that it was the main one, you know, <laughs> uh, because uh, it became from our, let's say, uh, um, education for what we were able to manage, you know. You think that what you can do can really influence players, you know. Uh, and now we know that... Uh, is important. I don't say it's not important at all. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, it's important. You gotta take care about your body. But uh, if uh, if you're a coach, you're working at the highest professional level, and you're not taking under considerations all the other aspects. You know, your help will be very limited. Okay, so the way you are helping players uh, won't be enough. So you gotta, in any case, sell your product. But at the same time, you got to take under consideration all the other aspects. So there's there's such a human element to, to what we do, right? It, it's not just in X's and O's and a, hey, you're coming in and you're doing this because that's what I said in the like, that's just not going to work um, and, and, and certainly not going to have the 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 biggest impact on that athlete. And, and it's funny you say that about the physical aspect. <laughs> I, I sometimes say um, and I have to say it, unfortunately, more and more in the corporate setting because, you know, I'm dealing with people who don't really know sport all that well and have never been in the trenches. But but they'll look at like an, an unbelievable athlete and they're like, oh, his training must be unbelievable. That and like, no, like no. <laughs> he, he's at, like he or she is actually probably doing that 
in spite of the training that they're doing, not because of it. <laughs> yeah, it can, can happen. Uh, really, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's the same when I was judging, like you say, you know, we did work with many coaches. And sometimes some of them are really focused on details, you know, like X and O's. Uh, they are like um, from a technical and tactical standpoint, absolutely well prepared, you know, to everything can happen on the floor. But they are not able to communicate with players, not able to understand, you know, the psychology, the emotional players, you know, and and they could be successful. I don't say no, but I've seen many successful coaches. They were not so well prepared, technically speaking, but they did know the human, let's say, behavior better than uh, anybody else. Yep. So Absolutely. it's not necessary to have like, a, okay, having a, a specialist, like a sports psychologist, uh, I don't know, uh, any kind of professional that can help you to, to manage the information and, and the knowledge is important. But it's also your personal process. If I'm thinking from the, the first year, so I'm trying to make this comparison because we have a lot of young listeners. So <laughs> in my first years in my, of my career, I was trying to uh, I mean, manage all my education process, more or less. Now I'm really focused not on what I know, but what I'm looking Okay, trying to uh, to find solutions. You know, it, it's a completely different approach. You know, yep. and uh, and uh, I, I don't know what will be <laughs> in the future. We are still uh, uh, surfing this wave uh, in in the way we are doing so far. So uh, another question that could be interesting to share with our listeners, and uh, uh, in somehow we did a talk already, but I wanna underline this aspect because I, I really believe that is very important for them. Um, our young, I mean, listeners, uh, we have many students, many young coaches, and and all of them are uh, digital natives, so different from us, okay? Mm -hmm. So their inclination is uh, to consider technology, you know, from day first. And uh, like you say before, you know, you got the experience to decide what uh, what is happening? What can help you? So what is happening you? Or what is not happening? What is necessary? Or what is not necessary? But which kind of advice uh, we can give them? So how they can move in this field? You know, making the right decision without having the experience. You know, to quantify how much help a kind of technology can bring them. I don't know if the question is clear. You know, so you have knowledge to decide what can help you. Sure. But if you have not experienced, more difficult. So what can they do? They're going to try, okay, like learning by doing or I don't know. I, I think learning by doing on yourself is always like one of the best teaching tools, right? So I, I think there is there is an aspect of like, you know, we could talk about it all day long, but until you actually do it, like you're not going to know. It, it, again, one of my athletes um, – him and he and his wife are, are due with twins here in, in a couple weeks and they're asking me all sorts of parenting questions. I have two boys myself and I'm like, Hey guys, I can give you all the advice in the world, but until you do it, there's no, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing I can say. So, so there's definitely something to actually just putting into practice. But I think prior to that, what, what I wish I had done more of early on in my career is really just put you know, my thoughts on paper for, for me, not, not for anything else, but what do I believe in? 
right? Like there is a fundamental, right? Like even if they're young and they're early on, you know, coach in their career, like they've done, they've, they've gone through schooling and they've learned some things and, and maybe they have a small amount of experience. And, and, and again, we know that like what you learn in a classroom is nothing like what, what happens in the real world. But, but that takes time to understand that. But I wish I had spent time to really outline what it is I believed, right? In, in the different aspects of my philosophy on, on my approach to training. And I think that, you know, I, I started to do that, you know, early on in my career, but I wish I had done it even earlier, right? Um, because it helped me get pretty clear on what was important to me, like what I really valued, and then how I was going to best achieve that for my athletes. And, and, and that exercise, I think, um, would serve a lot of young coaches and professionals really well because it would help get them clear. And it would also help show maybe some gaps that they need to go work on um, that they're not as strong in if, if it's important to them, right? Like if, if, if I identify something is really important to me, but then I can have some, some, some genuine self-awareness and reflection that like, wow, that is important to me, but I'm not that good at that. I need to go get good at that, right? I need, I need to go improve my skill set in that. Um, but then I think, you know, if we then switch it to technology, I think having that as a fun, as a foundation for you, then allows you to, to at least start the thinking about technologies a little bit differently, right? As opposed to blindly like, Ooh, look at this one. Look at this one. Like if I have something like a, a, my philosophy down, I've got it out of my head. I can now filter and now as experience, as I grow in experience, like that can change for sure. But, but at least you're starting, um, in the best possible place, even with limited experience. Interesting. That this is very interesting, you know. And uh, you are talking about uh, your uh, performance uh, um, process. You know, mm -hmm. we are working the performance world, but the example that you was bringing uh, right now was uh, an example of your performance process. So you, like coach, okay, as to to think how you can increase your performance, like your players. Yeah. So it's not just a question of uh, players' performance, but also coaches' performance. So you gotta consider which is your best performance. So you gotta criticize yourself. You gotta judge yourself. You are very, you know, you yeah. gotta be aware about what is working well, what is not working well. I, I, I do it every year, right? Like, I, and and this is this is something that I started back in Toronto, right? Like every year, I would review the year and, and review myself. What went well? What didn't go well? I would I would actually have my athletes review me as well. I'm like, Hey, what worked? What did you think didn't work? Like what, what could I do better? What could we as an organization do better? Um, and then from then like, okay, now I can learn something, right? It's not just like, okay, flip the calendar and now we're in a new season. Like, and I just like, you know, copy and paste the same thing I did last year. Like I always want to get better. Um, and, and, you know, I do that, you know, now in my setting, same thing. I go through the same process. I'm about to, you know, one of my athletes just just uh, won the Super Bowl on Sunday, which, which Great. was fantastic. Great for you. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> but thank you. But um, but with all of my, my athletes, like he'll get he'll come back, you know, this week and we'll sit down and we'll do like a full on review of the season of his season of, of my work with him. Um, you know what I think went well, what I didn't, you know, same thing. Um, but, but then if I take it up outside of the individual athlete or team, like I do it on different topics too, right? Like, and if there's something that I, that I see as an area of interest, you know, right now I'm fortunate because I, you know, half the year I roll up my sleeves and I'm hands in with athletes, right? And, and then, and then they go back to their respective teams. 
And while I still oversee and work with them, I don't have to deal with the day-to-day, right? So I can now half the year really go down and explore a, a topic like I talked about, right, from a decision-making or cognition. Like I have that freedom. When you're in it on a day-to-day basis on a team, like that does get tough, right? Because you're just in the grind of, of a season. Um, but but that's one thing I think I'm fortunate of now is, is I can, as I step back and review my year, I also see areas I want to explore. And then and then I go learn on it because, again, you said it when we started, right? Like if you're really passionate about this as a, as a profession, like it is a nonstop learning. I think you could say that about anything, right? It, regardless of, of what profession you worked in, uh, if you're really passionate about it, you want to always learn and get better. There are, you know, that this is a very important uh, approach because many coaches, uh, they won a league, they won a championship, or they are working with successful uh, uh, athletes. They, they don't put them under uh, criticism, you know. They think that what they are doing is absolutely perfect, you know. And uh, you remind me uh, what I used to say to my students when they ask me, they are asking me how I consider success in our job, you know. I like to quote... Uh, uh, Winston Churchill, you know, uh, when he says that uh, uh, that success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm, you know. So uh, you got to take under consideration that sometimes what you are doing is not uh, is not perfect, and uh, you got to criticize yourself. You got to be the judge of yourself uh, uh, and not waiting others' re- uh, uh, judgment. You know, Absolutely. if you judge yourself. Uh, also negatively, it says, look, I got to do this part of my job in, in, a, in a better way because it's not enough, you know. So this is, in my opinion, uh, something that has to be underlined that could be a big advice to all the young listeners that we have in, in our podcast. So, Alessandro, if you want to take the last question to Keith, you know, oh, we are um, running, we are not running late, but, but we are almost at the end of our podcast. Yeah. So we like uh, we like to respect times and and um... no today I, I just want to be to be general because I think we we, we have been uh, really exhaustive uh, uh, talking about this the subject of today but um, you, you you have experienced many 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 things in your career so uh, I, I want to be general in my question today just asking you. Uh, to a young strength conditioning coach. We have many young conditioning coaches that are, are approaching this job. So uh, what, do you, uh, what do you think are the best tips you, you could give to a, to a beginner, to a beginner in our job, in our field? Not just talking about technology, but talking about how to approach at our job. Uh, Kuto hit, hit upon it a little while ago. Um, the human aspect of what we do cannot be understated. And, and if I was giving advice, and, and I have, right? Like I, I talk to young coaches just starting out and, and they ask me a very similar question to that, right? And, and I think they think I'm going to tell them like, oh, go read this book about training. And that's nothing like I ever tell them. Like go read books and learn about communicating. Learn about like interpersonal skills and, 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 and those things, because that will, like, I'm not saying you ignore the technical aspect of our job, right? Like you have to have that, but what will allow you to maximize that and the impact of that technical is your ability to work with people. Um, and, and that is, is the best advice I could give to a young, it really doesn't matter the business, but, but certainly ours, uh, Mm -hmm. is, 
is go get really, really good at working with people, right? And, and because you will have a much more successful career and have a lot more impact with the athletes and the people you work with if you're able to do that well. Uh, and then that to me is something that I've, you know, fortunate from, from an early age, like I've, I've always been interested in that stuff. And, you know, I can remember in high school reading, you know, like, uh, how to win friends and influence people and like all of these sort of interpersonal books, right. These, um, just cause I thought it was interesting, but realizing now, like how impactful that, that body of work and, and that information has been in my career, um, is, is, uh, is definitely, I think, helped lend to whatever success someone might say that I've I've had. It, it's definitely not, I don't think, because of my technical acumen. It's more because of the way that I work with people. Thank you, Keith. I really, you know, um, you know, appreciate your talks, uh, your consideration, and uh, I think you're being a very, very important uh, uh, guest, bringing a lot of knowledge, experience, and wisdom. <laughs> at our podcast and this is what we were looking for you know trying to help our listeners to approach to this professional uh job that is in my opinion the best in the world that's what i say to, to my agree. students you choose the best job in the world now go get it okay try to do yourself you know the best coach possible because it's a lifelong process and uh, you will enjoy so thanks again kit for your time And it's, it's great to, to be in touch with a guy from Portland. So you are in the opposite part of the world. So technology is helping us and supporting us, you know, in the best way for uh, this project. So I wish you all the best for anything you are doing in this period. And I hope to see you soon in this part of the world. I can't wait I to get to that are, part of the world. You are Italian roots, man. So you have to come in Italy once in a while, you know, to... to <laughs> It's been too long. It's I I, I mean uh, you know I, you you know that is one of my favorite places, if not my no, favorite place no, in the world. No. So I can't wait for things to get back to normal and get no, over there. Absolutely, you know uh, we are trying to you know to keep our network alive, and uh, we have a, a lot of projects in mind with Alessandro to develop during summertime. So as this uh, let's say lockdown situation, this. Uh, um you know outbreak situation uh, will be behind our back we want to start you know doing something together and sharing knowledge you know from all the best coaches in the world so you will be for sure on the top of our of our list so thank you again kit thank you guys really appreciate it enjoyed it thank you kid thank you again francesco uh see you next uh next episode bye from alessandro and all the performance lab staff have a good night Ciao. Thank you.